Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome to an episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephalo Podcast. I am your host of the evening. My name is Parasite Steve. Oh, I forgot to say that this is the uh, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. But you are you all already know that. You do. Uh, just just like you already know that you know we are part of the Dorkening, and uh, we also are uh, brought to you tonight by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. You know all that good stuff. What you might not know is that uh, hey, this is uh, the first brig we've done in like a bunch of months. So like, I yeah, don't know it if, is. If we're a little rusty, you know, uh, definitely forgive us or just laugh at us. It's it's completely fine. Or just way. just find another podcast or something, but don't. Really. Yeah, I mean, you can find another podcast and keep us finding another. Po- I yeah, mean, how many? It's po- not like, like one has limit? to be you know you know stopping the other. Yeah. yeah. Do you have like a finite amount of podcasts you're allowed to listen to? No, I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah, what, your what phone doesn't judge. Yeah. I mean, um, so as you can hear, uh, I am joined tonight by the sultry tones of Mr. 8-Bit Alchemy. 8-Bit, Ooh, how are you tonight? Ooh, I don't think I've ever been described as sultry before. Uh, I'm pretty, uh, just I'm, your tones. I'm just, uh, just uh, your tones. Uh, okay. 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 My tones. Yeah. Uh, no, still haven't been described by uh, sultry, but I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty nice. good. Uh, I'm nice. excited to be here. Let's, uh, you know, let's 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 introduce have a break. Well, yeah. let, yes, let's let's introduce <laughs> our guest. But yeah, let's let's do a break. And let's do it. An yeah. awesome guest too. Yeah, no we less. do have an awesome guest tonight. I'm I'm super excited. I've uh, known this guy for a little bit, and he's a really solid stand-up dude, who is a podcaster. He is a writer and director. Um, he is a guy that uh, about 20 minutes ago we we kicked very very rudely very forcibly down the stairs. We're not uh, nice I, here. At, I think I I think I actually heard his knee hit on that second to last stair. You know that one eight bit. You know that second to last stair. I've hit my knee on it a lot. Yep. The the, the stair that's actually a row of spikes. You know that stair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think I can I heard, still feel it. Yeah, I think I heard the knee. Um, but he's in there for the night, and his name is uh, Mr. James Lamond. How's it going, buddy? Hey, how's it going, guys? How's it going? Going really, really good. Very good. Very good. So you are uh, the co-host of Culture Shock. You're also the co-host of a different podcast that I only just learned about. Tell me again, the Dead Kids of Derry, right? Yeah, the Dead Kids of Derry. We, uh, I, me and Matt Fisher from um, Boombastic. They're like our. It came from the 508 Boombastic. We're it's like our brother from another mother. You know what nice. I mean? Like yeah. like we're. We're 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 like the cousins at the barbecue. We're we're always nice. hanging out. We're always doing stuff. Nice. Um, so me and Matt, he kicked the idea to me about what if we did like an analysis commentary track of Stephen King's adaptation films. And I am the biggest Stephen King fan on the face of the earth. <laughs> nice. So, some was, some I may was, have also claimed that it's probably I, I say, I think so says that. most fans of, I, of the I, King. I, I could take them to town pound for pound <laughs> paragraph for paragraph on the books just saying wow. um 
No, I'm a huge fan. I can't awesome. really move from my little brig cage that I'm in right now. But if I could, I would show you guys. I got every first edition of every Stephen King novel. It's it's ridiculous. I'm ridiculous. I'm insane. So, so if you actually, if you open up the little uh, the side table, there's a side table with one drawer in it. And if you open up that drawer, there's a handy dandy notebook. But underneath that, there is a uh, first edition of Cycle of the Werewolf with all the Bernie Wrights and art. So oh, you check dude, that out. that's beautiful. Uh, if you that. if you if you if you spit on it or or smeg on it or something, we're not going to be friends anymore, though. Don't I'd smeg on it. I respect that. I respect that. I do because I would do okay. the same. Right. No, um, yeah, Matt. Yeah. Matt kicked the idea to me about doing that, and I, I'm basically the the novel analyst. Like, I'm I'm the guy that's read all the books, so like I can mm-hmm. I can break down the comparisons of how it stacks up to how the story stacks up and like all that stuff. But nice. I, I mean, I, I'm also I mean, Steve, you read all my statuses. I'm I'm I'm, I'm comedic relief too. Yes, yeah. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> and yeah, um, well, I mean, it's that's, great. That's... It's a lot of fun. Horror and comedy, man. It's chocolate and peanut butter. We go together. It just, just do. It just works. It's just, it just magic. It's meant it to is. be. It is. It's a Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It in, in hug form. It is. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, badass. It's more badass than a hug. It's like a really badass hug with like spikes that's on fire. Yeah. Uh, hugs are badass. How, yeah. How's your How's your knee, by the way? Is that okay? mm, you know, I'll live. I'll yeah. live. It's been I worse. Might... I may be walking a little weird. Like I might, mm-hmm. I might be looking like Frankenstein and Van Helsing. How he had like Ooh, that one stiff leg rough. for a while, but you know, he, right. had that op- right. he had that opera, opera talking voice. Yeah, that he had. yeah. I hope I don't <laughs> get gonna, that because that, that'd be tomorrow. really awkward. You'd be like yeah. every time you make a call, you'd be like, "Maddie, yeah. it's me, James." <laughs> and he's yeah. like, "Okay, why are you, what's happening? Nothing. It's just how I talk now. <laughs> this is how I talk. That would that would be awful. But, it would. but we so let's hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, no. Fingers <laughs> crossed. I gotta it. just get rid of that row of spikes. I just gotta put a real, real second to last step in there. It was just a just me being lazy. Really, it's not like a pratfall. It's it's just a matter of like, oh, I have these and like i was one stair shorts so i'm like well i'll just put the row of spikes in you know because well, you don't want a row of spikes to go to waste no you know? yeah. i mean that's there's that's, nothing worse than that yeah. when you when you have them on hand yeah just, yes. exactly. yeah you gotta do something with them i get it yeah right. so um stephen king so we'll have to circle back around to stephen king obviously uh that's a great retro topic to talk about because he has been popular for some time i i hear that's- nearly 50 years now Definitely had Unreal, his, uh, right? his big heyday back in the 80s when literally his movies were getting optioned before his books were finished. I mean, it, it got to the point where, I mean, that definitely happened with John Carpenter's Christine, um, as I'm sure you know. Quite quite a few more than that, too. Yeah, quite a few. Crazy. It's insane. It is insane. That's some success right there. But so we can switch back, uh, uh, circle back around to that. So let's talk about your your company. Uh, you are a writer and director of of independent horror films. I am. Uh, thus far, you have done three shorts with your company. It came from the five hundred eight production, yes. which is an awesome name. Which is an awesome name. Like I I love that production name. Like I I saw you guys at a Monster Expo. And I was like, that's just, that's too cool. Like, I, I love that. And I just like was immediately drawn to check out your stuff. Like, I think Thank you. you have a very good, like logo and a good kind of forward presence yeah. for sure. Well, the logo and the name, it's actually interesting, right? Like, tell us about it. <laughs> when we we want to start- know <laughs> when we started, <laughs> we started with one last kill. 
And we had nothing. There was no plan. There was no company. There was no anything. It was, I literally made a Facebook post that said, I want to make a horror movie. Never done it before. Mm-hmm. Never. I just always had a passion for writing. Always had a passion for filmmaking. Always had a passion for horror movies. Never acted on it. I, I was a career musician before oh. this for like, and I toured wow. metal bands and stuff. Oh, but, wow. Do tell. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. We, we love metal bands. That but. was a wild time. Um, Way back in the day, back 10 years, actually, 10 years ago, I was marveled at that. 10 years ago is when we broke up, but I was in a band called 1942. Okay. And yes, and for you retro fans out there, named after the video game. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Nice. Um. <clears throat> So we then the toured. bassist and drummer broke off, and they 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 formed Strikers, nineteen forty. Strikers, right? Yeah, yeah, and then we and then we went and made Contra the Revenge. That was nice. oh. that was what happened. Maybe. Um, but no, no, we we had a band, and we did a lot of really cool stuff, and I'm really proud of it. Like yeah. we toured with Hatebreed, Whitechapel, the oh Fatalist. damn, like like we we've opened for a lot of bands, Job for a Cowboy, Dying Fetus, like we did a lot of crazy stuff. Nice. So it was like, yeah, we were like heavy, heavy. We were like the metal, um, death metal. You know? like, yeah, right. yeah. There was a lot of growling. My brother, my brother was quite a demon on the mic. Um, <laughs> but once that kind of winded down, and like, once you get into like your thirties, like, unless you're like really successful, music stops being fun. Like you, you don't get the tour. You don't get that zeal for touring like you used to have. You don't have the stamina like you used to do. But I need to create. I need, I've always needed to create. And I've always been a writer. I had stacks and stacks and stacks of horror stories laying around. And um, yeah, but fast forward, we, we're working on One Last Kill. We have no company. It was just like six guys and three girls. And we're out in the woods and we're making this crazy horror movie. We think it's going to come out good. We don't know. Um, and, um, they're like, well, what are we going to release this on? I was like, I don't know. I didn't think about releasing it. Just, just, <laughs> I just wanted to do it. Yeah. Just yeah it. I was like, I just wanted to do it. Like, it's we the end journey, up, not the destination. Y'all. Yeah. That's, that's basically what it was. It was the journey, not the destination. We didn't know. We didn't really didn't know our ass from our elbow at that point for the business or any of that stuff. And, um, they were like, well, what, well, we got to release it under a company name. I was like, but we don't have a company. What, what are we, what, <laughs> we going to do? What are we going to do? They're like, well, it has to have a production company name. Or like, if somebody did want to like pick it up at a festival or something like that, it won't work. I was like, and I was clueless, utterly clueless. I had no idea that that was a thing. I was like, you mean festivals would actually pay attention to this? No way. But at time has proven that that, that to be true. So this was Which a is smart- awesome. Yeah, so cool. Yes, it's awesome. Actually, one last kill. Not to get too much of a sidebar, but one last kill is actually far more famous for how many film festivals would not play it for its content. Really? For, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We got rejected oh. by like fifty because of content. Damn. Wow. So so are like indie horror yeah. movies just not that big of a player in indie film festivals? No, no, it's not that. It was it was more specific that uh, you guys watched it, right? Yeah. You guys, we yeah. actually okay. watched it uh two just nights the other ago. day, yeah. That yeah, the torture scene. scene. Okay. Mm-hmm. That Yeah, I mean that made that made sense, right? Like that yeah. feels like the scene that would break break it for people. Yeah, no, the, a lot of people, if you if you watched our YouTube numbers before we took it off YouTube and made it private, um, 
almost everybody, like, there was, like, 75% of the people that, like, stuck with it to the end. But, like, right about that mark where that scene kicked, like, got going. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, a whole lot of people are like, I can't do it. Right. But yeah. that's okay. Like, I get it. That movie was not for everybody. We We went extremely realistic violence, and that's okay. Like, I get it. But anyways, yeah, so I, I'm sorry. I'm going on tangents here. No, no. no. <laughs> Dude, this is good stuff. stuff. Yeah, this is exactly what we want to hear, man. You are doing okay. exactly what we hoped you would do. But yeah, yeah no, we we get to we get to like where we actually have to release this thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what do you want to call the company? And I'm like, right. I started thinking of stuff and like these things. And like, I, I've heard a million different production company names where like they're really like, if they're horror production companies, they're really ominous and like vague or, yeah, or they're just like initials and productions after it or something. And I'm just like, yeah. nah, we, we need something with a little more. You do. Yeah. Meat thick. on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we need something a little more like, this is us. We're crazy. Yeah. And we're bit, here for horror more, fans. Like, yeah. A little bit more window dressing. It tells you what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. So I'm a big fan of like all eras of horror all eras like i'm going back to the 50s and the 60s and like sure. even further back than that like all the way to silent films yep and i thought I'm about right, it I'm right there with you man i thought about it for a hot minute and i was like it came from outer space or it came from beyond it came yeah. from i was like there's so many it came from movies mm-hmm. yeah i was like why don't we just use our area code and add it came from to the front. It, of it. came from the 508. And yeah. It came from the 508 was born. It nice. came from the 508. Yeah. I, I love that too. Cause it also has like the, fi- it has the pride of yes. also being from the 508. So like, exactly. I love exactly. that. Cause I'm like, yeah. oh man, no one ever talks about the 508. So for you guys to embrace that, it's like, oh, that's awesome. Like that's my area code. Like that's, you know, that's where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I wanted, I, cool. I, I really, really wanted people to know. I shouldn't just say I did, but like the, all of us, the whole the whole mm-hmm. team, we really wanted people to know where we're from, what we represent. Yep. New England is such a rich hotbed of folklore, myth, history that all leans into the paranormal and horror. We have our own vampire stories that I didn't need much to base like the box on or something like that because we have our own. We have Mercy Brown. We have the vampire Cape Cod. We have all these crazy, this crazy folklore around here that we can tap into. And I'm, I'm really proud of being from this area. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I want to make horror that's centric to this, this side of this, the country because mm. most horror, everybody goes for the California. Everybody looks like they're from California. Everybody's that that vibe and right even when you're not from california most indie horror guys are trying to look like they're from california i don't want to look like i'm from california i want to look like i'm from tennessee exactly arkansas precisely (laughs) i'm I'm getting a country bumpkin thing maybe it's just a beard (laughs) yeah but no i want i want our films to look like they're from new england yeah i want no and they they do Like when I, when I started watching the box, you know, it's like, okay, you get to see, you know, you obviously established this in Longview, Massachusetts, but like just seeing the way, like the, the, the highway looked in the, in the, the woods around the highway looked like those thinning, like winter trees and shit. I was like, I immediately recognize this, this area. 
And and that to me yeah. was really really special because it, it did feel different. It felt like a different kind of setting than anything that you know I had felt before. And then you know you get into some of the more you know creepy house or like you know stuff happening in in the basement and stuff like that. But it's like you establish that right up right up front, and it's like oh yeah no this this joint right here this came from the five hundred eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's that it's it's that aesthetic. That's what we go for. And yeah, I mean, there is there, it's such a great thing to be able to celebrate as a fan of horror living in New England, growing up in New England. It really, truly is. I mean, I think it all stems from the Salem witch trials basically is, you know, what I think everybody thinks of. And then Salem and then Salem allows like the whole region to sort of be the Halloween place. And we also get fall. So we have our, you know. Tr- leafless trees and you know the the look of autumn and all that stuff everything right. just looks more appropriate like a uh, jack-o'-lantern surrounded by palm trees doesn't quite have the same aesthetic <laughs> right no um as it does sitting in a uh, bed of red and orange fallen autumn leaves um so yeah that no that that is something that i as a person uh who loves horror from here i take a lot of pride in it does feel like we have some ownership in Halloween and also the season. Um, and, and it is really fun. It's yeah, like we have we have spooky place. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. we have a lot of spooky things here. A lot of history here. People have been here longer than, you know, anywhere else in the country as well, as far as like modern I mean, not the indigenous, but I'm not. No, no. But not, as, as, as far as you way longer. Yes. Than mm-hmm. us, but yes. but starting with, you know, I don't know, the colonizers anyway. Now I'm just getting myself deeper in the hole. I was going to say, say, just just stop. Bro. It's all good. You're the European, no the Anglo-European folklore mm-hmm. start of America started here. Yes. Let's put let's true. you put it that way. That's that's how I that's how I call it. Modern modern day. Uh, our our country, I yeah. guess. I don't know. That's yeah. terrible too. So anyway, so the box is very much steeped in this Puritan culture in the beginning. Like you have oh, this. Yeah. So this is your second yep. uh, short, right? So we went yep. from one last kill. Uh, so what what year what years were these made? So one last kill was two thousand. We filmed in two thousand sixteen. It was released in March of two thousand seventeen. Okay, cool. And then so so 2016, when was the box? The box was filmed in 2017 through 2018. Then we we released it in the fall of 2019. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's impressive because you kind of, you went right to that. There was almost no break. Um, No, no, there was no break. And, you know, I got to say, because we we just watched those back to back in that order, um, and I've seen the box before. I, I uh, I've seen it at I saw it at, at there was a local uh, little film festival that um, it was screened at. I, I believe you were there. It might be where we met. I'm not sure, but there was a uh, but Brianna who played uh, Abigail in that was the one who put that on. It was like an arcade. Do you remember that? Yeah, the- yeah, yeah. Dead of Autumn. Yeah. Dead of Autumn. So yeah. that was fun. But yeah, so I had seen it there first and. Uh, it is a it is a, a memorable short movie that was definitely in my top you know picks from the the festival. It was uh it was fun. Uh, I part of that is is that Bob Mendel's in it though. Uh, <laughs> Bob, so uh you know I do he does have the line of the movie which is I guess his name was John. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's the line. Bob John Bob 12, nailed it. Thirty five. 
Bob, his name was John. I guess his name was John. <laughs> yeah. Bob <laughs> nailed that character, though. Really, though, he did. Tommy. He, he was supposed to be dumb as nails and full of courage. Like right. that, that, that was Tommy. So like Bob killed that. Like mm-hmm. he was supposed to be the, the, cause like what's going on between Dan and, or, or Amelia and Roland, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. in the movies really heavy. Like they're dealing with some like deep, deep, right. It, 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 like the most horrific scenario you, you could have in a marriage, like losing a child. Right. They're dealing with heavy shit. And their scenes, like, they played them great. Like, they, but they come off like, like, if Tommy wasn't there, that movie would have been so bleak. So bleak, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you needed him to be like the contrast yeah. to, to whatever's going on. You know, when she yeah. pops out, oh, you know, how, how's everything going? He's like, I think it's just, what does he it's say? He's like, really good, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, like, he's like, just perfect, I think. I think, yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. And anyone who knows Bob, knows bob is straight edge so like to see bob with a beer in his hand is almost like what <laughs> oh <laughs> no kidding yeah. i did that on purpose i did that yeah. on purpose. like oh you're gonna hold this beer bottle and because he's like, you're acting and you don't have to be real right now <laughs> exactly He's like, Bob's like, James, in this scene, you're having me complain about a light beer, but I don't understand why <laughs> light beer is a negative thing after a day of hard sitting. So can you, like, can you get me, help get me there? Like, I'm not really sure. There was, there was some interesting motivational talks about that. <laughs> What's my motivation? <laughs> go, go, going into, going into like why he's holding a beer, why he has to have the beer where he's going to put the beer, why he has a beer in literally every shot for the most part until the end of the, the climax of the film. One of the shots that, uh, that eight bit pointed out as, as one that he remembered is, is one of my favorite shots in the movie. I do think it's one of the, well, I think as a sight gag, it's the best funny sight gag. I don't know how many there are really in that movie, but where you have, them leave the basement and he forgets his beer on and then he puts it and then he puts it back the door closes and the camera you just have it hang there and it's it's a good three or four seconds of just nothing is happening and then he yeah the just the beer can by itself in the center of the the frame and then all of a sudden real quick and like a a rush of freaking wind he like the door opens he grabs it and shuts the door again and slams like He's like, oh, I forgot my freaking beer. Like, so, so funny. Like, well, that was really okay, okay. I'll, I'll actually give you a little scene analysis here. There were two versions of that. There was a version where he ran back down the stairs, grabbed the beer, and ran back out like he did, which mm-hmm. was the which was the funny version. We also had a very ominous and scary version where the we left the can on the thing, and then you see the box move and the can kind of jigs a little bit. And then uh, see, the I hair. could totally I like that's what I thought was going to happen when I watched it for the first time. I was like, I bet you he's honing in on this. And then like some shit's going to happen to be like a little spook. You wait for he, the he impact kinda... tremors like the T-Rex. Yeah. But yeah. that is exactly why I didn't do it. Yeah, right. I'm glad it was. It was good. so, so predictable because yeah, you're ex- you're expecting the predictable gag. Right. And then instead you get Bob just going, hey, I forgot my beer. 
Oh, he shit. comes back and right. grabs it, and nothing happens. So right. it's a diffusion, and I think that's the best. That's the biggest achievement of the box. And there's so many of those subverted expectations of the horror tropes as you're going through it. It really leaves you off balance. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. And you yep. you spend this whole you know bunch of the movie psych. You know, Bob's learning all the stuff. He's psyching himself up. He goes onto this cliff and he's like screaming into the heavens. And he's gonna come back and he's like, oh, I better not screw this up. And he blows it in about eight seconds, and that's yeah. what makes the movie. That's what makes it great. That's yeah. what makes it great. It had it had to do that. Right. It had, that was always the plan. Like mm. he's gonna come in like he's the hero, looking, and it was all intentional, like straight out of the Lost Boys, the wooden stakes on his back with the cross in his hand, ready to kick ass. And the last he's person on earth he would think to do it, chumps him. Maybe yep. exactly. maybe if he. Uh, hadn't been served a light beer. That's it. That's it. We should have given it really him all banquet. boils down. Yeah, yeah. Banquet, man. You need that quality. You need that. Well, you, that he, there was some crust. Guinness, I think. I think there was some Guinness in there. He some heavy stout. Give him some protein. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Make, you know. Make Give him a meal. Hungry. That's what you need. <laughs> you need a meal. <laughs> Not one person in that movie ate either <laughs> at any point in time. Oh yeah. A lot of drinking, no eating. I mean, if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna go fight vampires, you got to carb up. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um. Another fun tidbit about the drinking, the scene in the basement when Dan's hitting the bottle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he was really getting hammered for that. Oh man, I wow, dude. Wow. I I kind of was like, I was feeling like that might be happening because I was like, you know, di- you know, is it just water? Is it whatever? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the energy here feels like that's just an actual fucking bottle of you know whatever he was drinking, Jameson or Jack or whatever. I'm like. This has that energy, and I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know though. But wow, that's pretty. I wasn't, cool. I wasn't super lee. I, I, I was, I was kind of like on the fence of that. But Dan, Dan's this guy that's like, look, man, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Like yep. we're going for it. Like I'm really getting drunk in this scene. Okay, that's what's <laughs> happening. I'm method acting this shit, man. <laughs> oh he, my god, Dan's it- Dan's an animal. Dan if is absolutely. If in animal. this next scene you you need me to eat a baconator, I'm gonna eat a fucking baconator, man. Wait, oh, we gotta take it again. Oh, you didn't get the. Fr- oh, uh, give me another dude, baconator. Give, give me another baconator, dude. Hit the me thing up. about the thing about that though was it was only necessary to have the one take. Like his face, he doesn't have any dialogue, but he says it all with his fucking. I'm sorry, I don't know if I can swear. Or yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Um, go for it. Yeah, don't worry about it. He's, he he says it all with his face. Yeah, mm. like. Just him looking at at the toy and the the line, um, Tegan, Bob's wonderful daughter, mm-hmm. saying the line over the over it in his head, and just him drinking like it just it says it all right there. Like this guy can't like he, like he's trying to let go, but and he's got all yeah. these things on his mind, and it didn't it had dialogue at one point, and I was like, nah, man, I don't I don't think we need to go with the dialogue. Doesn't you, need you, it. You did it. You you got it. You got it without having to say a word. Yeah, yep. do more with less. I mean, that's that's something that um, I mean, that's a credit to your your instincts, right? I mean, just just like the the, the forethought of of hanging on that can and trying out a comic take and trying out a scary take, two completely different things you could have done. You know, it's like, all right, well, let's let's do this. But those are those are the moments that really kind kind of impress me, you know, because like there's a lot of there is like craftsmanship there and there's a lot of thought there another thing i i really wanted to mention that um that impressed me uh with one last kill so um i i will just be completely straight with you here so halfway through i was thinking that you were 
going to be very generic. And I fell into your trap because you wanted me to think yeah, that it was did. going to be very generic. And then, and I was saying like, oh, oh, this is, this is so predictable. Like we should, they should have done something else to mix it up. And uh, then you did, you literally showed me up and I was eating my own freaking crow. Hmm. So um, yeah, no, I mean that, that's what I always want to see. So when you said like, you know, you're essentially talking about subverting the expectations, doing the, if it's the obvious thing and it's the first thing that came into your mind, go as far from that as possible. That's what I do as well with my writing. If there's something that I feel is like, okay, the first thing that comes to my mind, it's like, that's probably the first thing that came to everybody's mind. Exactly. Yep. yep. And I think like horror as a genre is at its most satisfying when it's able to pull one over on you. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the things I, I pick out in horror movies that I've loved over the years is like, you know, either wow, that twist was amazing or wow, that underdog moment where the person who seems like they're totally fucked, like gets revenge on the whole thing and, and like survives or like mm. any of those, mm-hmm. those moments of just sheer, like shock because of you can't believe like this is going a different way. That's the best. That's when horror is yeah. at its greatest for me. Absolutely. Like it's not even it's not even about the scares so much for me. Like everyone does, you know, feel differently about like liking being scared or not or whatever. And I, I'm I'm cool with it, but I love those moments are are I think some of the strongest for the genre. And like yeah, yeah what, I, I mean one last kill definitely definitely did that. And it it, yeah. it like really enriched the movie by having that. Like it it, hmm. it elevated it. Yeah, yeah thank for you. sure. Thank you a lot. Thank you so much for that, guys. Um, yeah. With one last kill, like, for, for full transparency, I mean, there were like three writers on that movie. It was me. It was my wonderful friend Johnny Surratt, and it was Erica who played Piper. We all mm-hmm. contributed to the to the writing. Um, the plot was kind of in there already. I just kind of, but in a way that was more like obviously setting up that that twist. Yep. Um. So mm-hmm. I kind of like pulled it back, and I was like, "Yeah, but we built. We're you can feel that coming. You you building to that too much. Like, right? If you hint at a twist too much, it you already gave it away. You already gave you it away. Gave right? It. It's like you you need to literally not touch this. Don't talk about it. Just have it be a surprise. You don't need to set up it as a story beat. It's a plot twist. They function differently. Exactly. Exactly. But that's where. I came in with the writing to bring in Dan as that secondary mirror image. Cause I wanted people to feel like, Oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. Whether, I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's bad, but if you've seen it before and you're, you're, you're disarmed and you feel like it's predictable and you see how it's going to end when that hits, forget it. It's over. Mm -hmm. You you just, you're lost. You're like, Oh, what? Yep. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was that was where that came in because like I, I was like, okay, well, people have seen the dark half. They've seen Dexter. They know all about dark passengers and like that. People have people that stare at them in the mirror and tell them to do mm-hmm. horrible things. And I was like, why don't we use that to our advantage mm-hmm. and and set up this this twist we already have? Yeah, Steve actually honed in on that. Like he was like, oh, this is totally like a, a dark passenger story, and I hadn't personally heard that, but like he he cited both of those things you just said and Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean that's that's definitely 
you know, cool for me, I, I hadn't experienced that. So I wasn't really sure, you know, exactly where everything was going to go, but um, yeah, like that, that concept is interesting. And I like what you, what the end of it kind of like led on to, you know, you're kind of like, okay, what's going to happen now? Like what's the state of things now? Like things have changed. Mm. The game has changed, right? Yeah, like, exactly. And I also, I think one of our yeah. biggest achievements too was like, the second twist when you get to the epilogue and you realize that the dark passenger wasn't in his head. It is an entity that travels with Mm -hmm. things. That was my personal touch on it. I was like, I wanted to make it a little more supernatural. I wanted, I didn't want it to just be a crazy guy. serial killer movie because we've seen that a million and a half times. I wanted Carl by the end of the movie, when you see that last shot, I wanted you to feel like Carl was as much of a victim as the victims. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I wouldn't have brought that up because I don't want to give away every little thing, but you, you did it and you have that right. So it's, uh, that's it's, fine. The movie's been out for six years uh, at yeah. this point. Like <laughs> Statute of limitation. Is that out. that right. was, that was very surprising as well. That was more surprising, I would say. And I uh, already said I fell into your trap. So, uh, that is a rare thing. I mean, that's a half hour movie. How, how long was that? Um, I believe the, I believe all total it's 26 minutes, 26 minutes. And yeah. you know, you, you, you went from you <clears throat> as the puppeteer puppeteered me as the puppet to feeling like, Oh, I've seen this a million times to uh, surprise number one. And then surprise number two that I was yeah. like, not even, I'm like, okay, well there's a, that's the surprise. And then the last one's like, Oh, Oh my goodness. There's a second one. Not in a million years was I anticipating that. Um, another, another thing, I don't know. I, I'm sure you've seen it, but uh, that it reminded me of just a little tiny bit, not to say that you are derivative of this, but it's another one of those um, that plays on uh, expectations. Uh, the, called pick me up it was a masters of horror episode uh directed by larry cohen i don't know if you saw that i'm familiar i'm familiar with pick me up and i've Mm -hmm. heard the comparisons i think i know what you're about to talk about but um they they just similar kind of basic a little bit set up but not even that similar but at the end that the twist of it is uh, is different than what you went with Mm -hmm. um but it's basically this guy it's michael moriarty uh who's worked with larry cohen obviously a million times did stuff cue the Mm -hmm. serpent lots of stuff um he uh he's a he's a trucker and he's a serial killer and he picks people up and whoever Whoever gets in the, the car, that's how he decides to kill them. And he picks up, uh, I think it's Feruza Balk, um, gets in the truck, and she is a hitchhiker killer. So she kills whoever picks her up. Which so, is, which is pretty so, so different. different I've heard, I like, know, yeah, I've heard this before. Like somebody's compared it to this <laughs> before, but I've actually never personally seen it. So it's, it's, it's good. I thought it was fascinating. I thought I thought it was fascinating that they kind of yeah they they it's like you know mirrored each other like that right it's like convergent thought right it's like two different kind of concepts that come from totally independent places it it's a different totally different way than you went with to subvert the expectations in this basic hitchhiker killer scenario, Um, but yeah in the end the end products are very different but. Just uh, thought I would mention that. That is a that is a cool episode. You can check that down. <laughs> oh no, I'm try, I'm definitely gonna I'm I'm definitely gonna look at it. Um, I love Larry. It's just 
never slid across the desk, so to speak. I don't I don't know. I got to find it. Mm-hmm. But um, I've heard that comparison and it's just weird because I've never seen it before. And then somebody's like, oh, well, this happens mm. in this one and this one. And then in your movie, mm. it's kind of the same gig. And I was like, yeah. really? Yeah. Because yeah. my my inspiration for that was actually like, it's weird enough, but like old Godzilla movies. Because I hear about like, you see like Godzilla and King Ghidorah or Gamera or Mothra are fighting. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, let's make two monsters fight. Like, <laughs> you know, that, that was my nice. thought on the process. Like, let's <laughs> make two awesome. monsters fight. <laughs> right. Right. That, you know, yeah. Like I did get a sort of a, you know, unknown version of Freddy versus Jason from that pick me up episode. Like that, that is a thought that I had. This is two yeah. uh, serial killer tropes, but yep. let's unleash them on each other. Let them fight it out. Who cares? Uh, it's just fun. You, you, don't, exactly. you don't have to worry about like, oh boy, I hope, I hope the innocent victim, you know, makes it or something or although most horror fans want them to die as horribly as possible. Yeah, anyway. yeah they exactly. They, they want the most violent death, but no, they that do. was, that was my idea. I was like, w- with the whole concept of like when I, Cause like I said, I didn't just write it, but when I went to direct mm-hmm. it, I was like, okay, I want to do a very simplified version of Godzilla vs. Kong, but <laughs> we're going to make it something mental. filmable, something yeah. I can actually film. Yeah. We're going to make it mental. We're going to make it a head game. Yeah. And then when the jig, and then, you know, the, when the jig's actually up, one of them's going to win, one of them's going to lose. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a it's a good start. And uh, I mean, the box, you know, quality wise is is a few steps up, I would say. I think you definitely improved. Absolutely um, fair assessment, sir. <laughs> uh, production wise and just just, you know, you got to start somewhere and hopefully grow. Uh, Strawberry Lane is your third feature. I have not seen Strawberry Lane. Yeah, um, neither have I. The, OK, the quality oh. of that actually looks even better than the box based on the trailer, as far as I, I'm concerned. Um, Strawberry uh, Lane wasn't directed by me. We we okay. We have a producing partnership with a wonderful man named Jeremy Arruda. Okay. Um, he's, he's a fantastic artist. He he does all kinds of stuff. He scored he scored the box. Oh. Um, he has done a million film scores around here in the scene. He does his own art. He does tons of stuff. We have a ton of his films on our uh, digital service. It came from the Five Way Direct. Um, well, I didn't direct Strawberry Lane. I, I'm just a producer on that one. Gotcha. Um, that is his his eye and his quality and like what he goes for in his films. Like, because he's strictly black and white. That's the only that's the mm-hmm. only thing he works with. But he's very much more in the David Lynch, John Waters, that psychedelic film. That's what yeah. the trailer made me think of. I was like, yeah. this feels lynchy. Like, yeah, this no. really does. But... No, that's that's where he sits. That's that's his throne. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like feels you've like... seen, you're kind of like, the fuck did I just watch? Like, what exactly is going on here? And then you're just kind of like you like the, the, the fear is just like how lost you are the entire time. And then like you're like you either you either are in a fork in the road with David Lynch shit, which is you go left and you say I'm going to watch this five more times and I'm going to try and understand it. Or you go right and you say, man, fuck this shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's much more, uh, you're going to, you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. I love his stuff. I love his stuff, but I'm nuts. And, um, (laughs) well, it's, it's a different style of filmmaking. He, like he is the epitome. He is freeform jazz. That's what he is. So (laughs) he, he doesn't really, he's not interested in coming up with, 
a, 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 a solid shooting script. Like he's, I think, I think miserable when he has that. He, you know, he hated Dune. He hated having to be this, having, what is it? it oh, it has to be a thing. It has to be, and it's already a thing. It's already a book. It's going to have to be that. Like, I don't know. I like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to know what it's yeah. going to be like at the beginning, right. whatever it ends up being. It's this beautiful flower. Yeah. The creative process in is what, what does it for him. Not just like yeah. making something that someone exactly. So dictated. it's, it's, it's that difference they say in writing. Like, are yeah. you the type of writer that figures out your ending first or that supposedly writes the last, you know, page of the book first, um do you know where it's going to end or not and i i firmly believe lynch is his whole thing his joy comes from not knowing um but yeah i mean you're right though he's he's very divisive um but you know a lot of people love him but that that is that is a definitely a a, a vibe that i also got from from oh Strawberry. no it's it's absolutely that but there's the, the definitely trailer, from the trailer I oh no there's there, there's definitely an element of his stuff that pushes boundaries that our other things don't which is why having him in our roster was so attractive to me because i wouldn't be as a producer um i wouldn't necessarily be interested in picking up a guy that's going to do the same thing i'm going to do that's you know mm-hmm. that's completely right. fair right well, right point, yeah. like i don't i don't i don't want somebody that's going to make more content that looks like my stuff like mm-hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't work for me. I want to bring if somebody's going to join the team, I want them to bring something totally, completely and utterly different than what we're doing. Yeah, I want right. them to have their own vibe and do their own thing and have their own ideas. And I'm just going to be here to facilitate getting that out to people in the world. Like that's that's cool. all I that's all I want to be for that. I have no creative or should say minimal at best creative input on what Jeremy does. Like he'll bounce ideas off of me and I'll go, well, I would, or I wouldn't, or, and that's where it stops and ends. I don't tell him to do anything. Right. Um, and I just let him run wild. Strawberry lane is not for everybody. I'll, I'll say that up front. We've had the most walkouts from strawberry lane. We've had the most people tell us that we're going to hell afterwards because of strawberry lane I, gotcha. I think that's actually what happened when i was at when i was buying uh movies from your booth i i picked up uh you know one last kill and and the box and you know i got kind of the boiler pitch for every single one and strawberry lane i think was kind of presented in that way and i'm like all right well we're i'm just exploring your catalog i'm like let me let me give your first two a shot and you know and see how how i like that um so on the one hand i i really want to see strawberry lane but also i guess i am glad that i didn't start there because that maybe would have colored things differently and like and knowing that it's like this is a collaborative you know it came from the 508 is not like single-minded every movie's from the same people um that's that's also cool to know because like for because like strawberry lane might be something i really like or it might just not do it for me but I either mean, way i understand like this is a flavor not like the only thing that you guys have going on yeah, we're like Baskin Robbins, right? You know, like I, I've got, I've, <laughs> got I've got flavors like, of horror. <laughs> I got Rocky Road and like some mint chocolate chip. Jeremy's like peanut butter cup raisin. I don't know. It's weird. Um, <laughs> that sounds disgusting, sir. <laughs> his movie's disgusting, but in the best way. 
Because like peanut butter cups are okay, and then you're like oh, raisin. Raisin. Like, you're like, but peanut I do butter like cup peanut raisin. butter cups wow. though. If you, you guys, if you guys watch strawberry, strawberry how many lady, raisins will I eat to, to keep eating peanut butter cups? Evil uh. and creative. Uh, oh, but but works works for for being a writer. Um, right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a name at you, and uh, we didn't talk about this, so I don't know if you actually want to talk about this, but I dug this up on the interwebs. Oh. What happens if I if I say the the word red coat to you? Oh wow! Holy shit! Yeah, that's that's currently in escrow at the moment. I'm I'm waiting to hear back from a publisher about okay. red coat. Uh, but I can talk about red coat. If you, you, you want to talk about it, yeah. Um. Okay, so I got really bored during the pandemic, and Steve's also a writer, so he understands when you get bored, you write a lot. And I tried my hand at writing a book. <laughs> Uh, Redcoat is the movie I've always wanted to make, but cannot absolutely mm. not afford to make. Gotcha. Um, it is set post-revolutionary war, Massachusetts. Nice. In a very small village that is under attack from a werewolf. And I've always been fascinated by the concept of, well, I've seen werewolves in modern day i've seen werewolves and stuff like dog soldiers i've seen werewolves mm-hmm. against people that really can't handle them like the wolf man or something like that it's like what if we had a werewolf stalking a revolutionary era town where they have muskets and sharp objects and that's right it. like i feel like that's a very intense place to put a werewolf <laughs> and yeah. it could be fascinating um to explore so i did that in like 329 pages or so um nice. That, but unfortunately, right now that's kind of in a holding pattern. I, I'm waiting on somebody to get back to me about what's mm. going to be happening with it. It does. Okay. It does. Some, it, it's a very frustrating stage yeah. if you're looking to traditional publish, and you, um, you know, it's it's amazing people don't realize, but you can be, you know, you can send out queries and stuff to various publishers who are looking for stuff you can have the exact same uh, exact recipe of everything they were looking for and send it out to them but you can also be one of you know a thousand five million who knows who knows and sometimes i mean it's pretty standard to have to wait eight months a year um mm-hmm. that's why so many authors just keep going and they move on to the next thing and then it can seem like they have a bunch of stuff coming out like one after another, but it's because they banked it. Right. They're all backlogged and they're just finally getting to the Yeah, and it takes so long sometimes for things to come out. And this is this is my first venture into it. So I'm not in a big hurry. Mm -hmm. When it happens, it happens. But it's out there. It's 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 definitely being looked at by people. And we'll see. Hopefully I'll get word and I'll have an announcement about a release date. Well, that'd nice. be really cool. Man. Yeah, I mean, well, best of luck know, for that. Congrats on just finishing it, honestly. Uh, you know, finishing a novel is the first novel, is, I mean, especially as most people never do. You know, that's mm-hmm. like, that's something I had learned really early. They're like, look, man, like, if you can just finish something that you started, anything, whatever it is you're doing, like, that's, you, you got a, a bunch of legs up. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a lot of people because it's it's one of those things like oh yeah I got, I'm gonna get around to that one day so if you actually do it that's great so yeah. I say congratulations on Thank finishing you. it and uh, you know I'd love to read it someday I I really uh, I gotta say I mean like 
period horror is one of my favorite things. It's so cool. Um, if you can take anything and add it with and add cowboys to it, I'm going to love it. So it's the same sort of idea, right? It's just not a time period that has been overdone um, with a werewolf sort of a thing. You know, I mean, I, I, sounds great. Sounds great, man. I think that's a huge success of, of the movie Prey that just came out. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you're getting like this element in a, a scenario right. that you just don't see it in. That was the exact, that was my exact mentality. It was, um, yeah. And it's somewhere weird. Put a square peg in a round hole and see that. You know what I mean? And if nothing else, most people are going to look at that and go, oh, I've never seen this before, you know, or I've never read this before, whatever. And that is, uh, is really extra cool because then you're at least grabbing their attention right away. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool, man. So uh, best of luck with that. So Red Coat, The Beast of Bell's Hollow is the current title. Hopefully. No, that's the permanent title. That's the artwork's <laughs> all done. It's it's that was the best thing. Like my my pitch was I was like, look, I'm a package deal. I've got my own cover art. I've got it's all done. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> get to do whatever you want with it. Like just yeah. oh, man, you, you, I just uh, publishers, you never know what they're going to want to change. That's the only thing I'm saying. Don't don't get too married to uh, to a cover because sometimes sometimes they'll be like, oh yeah, no, we're we're gonna go a different direction with that. That's um, fine, and, and that's that can, fine too. You know, yeah. That the important thing is to obviously get it out there, but yeah. I, I mean, I like the cover. I think it's cool. I like the uh, the eye looks like the moon and uh, the, the the teeth are. That was eyes. Jeremy. That was that was director of Strawberry Lane. Jeremy Jeremy nice. made that. Yeah. Oh shit. Nice. nice. Cool uh very very cool so multi-talented uh writer of various things very very cool uh dude i i want you to talk before we get into stephen king before we get into all the retro stuff that's that uh inspired you um you got to tell us about your new thing now your new thing i know it's not you're not quite ready to launch you're launching a kickstarter coming up at some point I, i don't have a date on it please please tell us all about abigail Ah, uh, okay. I'll tell you what I can. I'll tell you what I can. Okay, okay. it's fair. That's very fair. shrouded in secrecy right oh. now for 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 reasons. Okay. Um, obviously, I just don't want to spoil the fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Abigail, um, about a about a year, two years ago now, before uh, all the madness we just dealt with happened, I had said basically, I was like, okay, we've done two half hour sh- films. We've got Strawberry Lane out there. We've done thousands of hours of video and audio, whatever, whether it be YouTube shows, skits, blah, blah, blah. I was like, look, we're ready. It's time to do a feature film. Like, I know it's a daunting task, and a lot of people in our profession are very afraid of that. It's a very intimidating thing to say we're going to make a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were we were going to do it. And the 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 this script is scrapped now so i can just say what it was it was going to be one last kill too we okay. were going to make a sequel to okay. one last kill and we were ready to go we had locations we had a cast we had uh, the script was killer everything was lined up it was ready charlie baker shut the whole world down one yeah. day before we were about to get going it all fell apart literally was just a domino effect. We lost a location, then we lost another location, and it just kept dragging on where we just could not get this going because the world stopped. Hmm. It was kind of discouraging. Right. Um, 
I was, I was a bit in my feels about it for a while, but eventually through the therapy of writing and writing a lot between the, not just the book, but like scripts, scripts, scripts. I wrote, I just, that's all I did during the pandemic. It's all I did. I just sat in front of my laptop clacking away and it just, none of it hit. Like I love the scripts were good. But my problem is not my problem, but like, I guess my quirk as an artist is if I am not inspired by the project, I can't pull the trigger on making the movie. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You have integrity. Like you don't want to just make something that you feel like you're, you're going through the motion. You're like, just making it to make it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't feel like having a million little short films out there in the world is great. If it's all, just okay or oh. you're just okay with it like you should feel an incredible level of confidence about what you're about to put out in the world because you're putting your name on it and yeah. i take that very seriously hmm. um so i wrote these scripts and they were all great but i was uh, like in a way that like i had felt before from something else you know what i'm saying and i yeah. wasn't getting that one last kill the box feel from it and after a while i kind of realized i'm like i'm hung up on all the shit i wanted to do with the box that i couldn't (laughs) that's that's what it came up to that's what it came down to i really like sat down and thought about it for a while i was like i gotta do something about that so abigail is the feature film reimagining of the box ah very cool yes that's awesome Yes, there's. Yeah. It's not. I want to say reimagining. I don't want to use the word remake. That's not mm-hmm. an accurate depiction. If anybody's seen the box, they're not going to get the same story at all. Cool. So the way that you set up the mythology of the box with that intro scene and the way you left it at the end is—is is it possible to imagine uh, both stories taking place, or does one cancel the one and tell something different? It's entirely different. Um, but could they exist like in the same, you know, Marvel MCU, like they both happened at different points or something? Because clearly a lot happened in that area based because of the box. Mm-hmm. Bob learned all about that. Tommy, <laughs> Tommy did a lot of research. I'll put it to you this way. <laughs> could it have happened? Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. Um, but <laughs> it, it almost would fit in the chronology, but we made a couple of choices. Gotcha. Narratively, okay. where that is all kind of like wipe the slate clean. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of starting from scratch um, with, the, with the mythology and the origins of the vampires and all that. Only because I didn't want, I wanted fans of the box to not feel like they only got half of what they got when they bought the box Mm. or they rented the box or whatever. Mm. I didn't want them to feel like they got gypped somehow because they didn't, they they didn't get the whole, get the whole story. They didn't get the whole story the first time. Now they got to pay more to get it again. So would it be fair to say that Abigail is to the box like terrifier is to all hell's Eve? Yeah, that's a good comparison. I would also throw out an Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2. Sure. Comparison. Yeah, that's perfect. Right? Um, 
I don't, I, I don't think I'm being too bold in saying that either. I think it is going to be that level of improvement. I don't want to say improvement because I, I'm really proud of what we did with the Bulls. Yeah. I'm really proud of it, but more so just elaboration. Okay. Let's, that's gotcha. a good way to put it. Expanding well, on that. Like, expanding well, I will on that note. Ramey definitely improved quite a bit. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The difference, the difference in improvement between Evil Dead 1 and 2 is astronomical. Dude. Yeah. Um, and he found a tone, which I don't think Evil Dead 1 really ever had. I don't think there was a tone to the film. Yeah. And I know people who prefer Evil Dead One and they say that's the best and they don't like any of the silly stuff and and uh and that's fine too, like whatever. But yeah, that's okay for them. Yeah. They they absolutely started to go in a lot of different directions, not just with tone, but with mythology and expanding like the all the stuff. And I mean, that movie ends with a big freaking swirling vortex into God knows where. I mean, that's that's in that movie. I mean Yeah. What was it, what was Army of Darkness supposed to do? Take itself dead serious? Come on now. Exactly. Right. We got a direct continuation there. That's Come on. Army of Darkness is absolutely a sequel to Evil Dead 2. You have to oh, yeah. you have to yeah. continue the tone. That's what people are expecting. Yep. But yeah, no. Yeah. The, the tone is different in Abigail. Okay. There's there's definitely I think like we've been working on this for like the script. We've been working on it for like 8 months now. Like I started okay. writing in January. We just wrapped our final draft spec script in August. Like, oh wow, yeah. Nice. And like, That's... I mean, we've had our other guys working on the poster art and like all the other stuff, getting like the announcement ready. But yeah, we've like me and my team, like it's been eight months of just picking apart everything we did in the box and saying, what can we do better? What yep. worked? What didn't? Like, what can we? take from there and what does this need to be a more complete whole full feature film you know right yeah nice yeah. i mean that's that's very exciting so um kickstarter any idea on that or you just don't want to commit to anything yet just i don't want i don't want to commit to anything yet only because we have a lot of irons in the fire to get out of the way Mm-hmm. right now in our production i just wanted to get it out there and get people talking about it and people know we're doing it we have a really bad habit of not announcing things early enough to get like people just buzzing. yeah to yeah get we're like like oh yeah we're gonna release a movie like two months from now which really isn't enough time to talk about a movie you should be talking about a movie like Marvel does it. They talk about a movie five years before it even comes out. You know what I mean? Right, because people right. have enough time to, to sit and think about it and get pumped and go nuts yeah. for it. And like that is, I think, a, a challenge like when you're when you're creative because you want to put something out. And as soon as you're done with it, you're like, I want I want people to see it. But it's like, no, now it, it just enters way. the next <laughs> yeah. phase of its life, which is to sit and you now have to cultivate interest and and hype the people and get them interested do whatever you can and then decide you know when long enough is long enough yeah first off it's it's been wild so far um the response to just saying oh we're remaking the box has been like mind-boggling like i i would not have expected it like just say oh yeah we're 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 doing this we're doing a feature film version of the box and people are just like you're what oh my god and it's it's just people go crazy and i'm like cool 
All right. Nice. Right. You're in. Like, you guys, you guys want to see like, this. Even if people hated it, I'd be way happier about that than if they're just like, oh, that's cool. Like, well, you know I, what I mean? Well, I will say yeah. that. So, so I knew it was called Abigail, but I did not remember that at the end of the box, you reveal, you know, the final monster's name was Abigail. Hmm. So, rewatching it the other day, I was like, oh, shit. So, I thought it was a sequel. I assumed. Yeah abigail's sequel yeah <clears throat> or prequel maybe you're gonna find out like what happened to her before whatever i want i want to explore that someday with, that would be fun too within the new mythology yeah you know uh, yeah i love well so i don't know if this is part of the new mythology but I, I really think you did a pretty damn good job with that intro scene i have to say like it really um it was shot well it, it was it was uh it was a very good opening i think i it think was, it was really fun very again, simple very simple, effective again you're you're kind of playing into my wheelhouse of what i like so i like period horror so that is you know something for me you know so that but that really resonated i i enjoyed that intro and and you know it does one of the other things that i love uh, in any story not just horror but you know 8-bit you said when horror can surprise you um i also like anything that makes you wonder if there's a missing chapter or a missing, you know, a, a, the possibility of more stories um, and, you know, different timelines are definitely a, a great way of doing that. Um, I mean, I was I think I was introduced to that concept probably just with like Spawn when Tom yeah. McFarlane started to do Spawn and all the different, you know, medieval Spawn. And then it was like a billion Spawns. Yeah. Um, and I just love that idea. It's like, oh my God, this is, this is such a cool idea. Like he's, there's been other hell Spawns throughout the years. You could tell infinite stories. It's not just Al Simmons. Mm -hmm. It could be like literally anybody. That mm. is so freaking fun. So I, I love when things have that like built in history and you're just wondering. That's another thing I love about Castlevania. Just overall, like one of my favorite, you know, video games of all time. Confession. Confession yeah. time. Castlevania. Bloodborne. If yep. you're familiar with that yep. FromSoft masterpiece. Yep. Any FromSoft games, the Dark Souls games, even Elden Ring, even though it came out, they but the same style. Huge, huge, huge influence on my storytelling. Nice. Huge influence. Cool. I tell stories with a lot of visuals, not a whole lot of the mythology laid out. I actually was way more generous with the laying out the mythology in the box with the scene with the guy in the crazy house mm -hmm. than I was in One Last Kill, where you just get that scene in the trunk where you see he's had this history of mm -hmm. it. But it's yep. the visual mm -hmm. cues. But like, Steve, the thing that makes you wonder, that's what I'm always trying to find is yeah. that thing that's like, all right, if someone wants to dig deeper, are they, what are they going to think about? Like when you see that first scene in the box and you see him show up and he's already had his ass kicked, mm. he's already bloody. He's already bruised. Mm -hmm. He's already got a bite on his arm. You're like, okay, what happened to this guy? But you right. never get that answer. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, someday I may tell you what happened to that mm -hmm. guy. <laughs> you know? And right, you, you, you may you, not. It you start matter. the story not necessarily at the beginning. You just start the story at a point in time that had a before and has an after, and it's yeah. now on I, up to you how you want to tell it. I look at it with like something like a time jump, where you have something that starts 150 years in the past. It it's a cold open that leaves you open to tell any story afterwards. Mm -hmm. It's giving you that moment where in time where it's establishing 
why something later is going to happen. It's a little foreshadowing, but at the same time, it leaves the whole possibilities just endless to what could happen, which is why I like that kind of like time jump cold open. Mm. And I will admit Abigail has one too. Mm. Very um, cool. in, in the same vein, except the cranked up to 11. Let's just put it that way. I think that's the best way I could describe Abigail compared to the box cranked up to 11 cranked up to 11 <laughs> yes these films go to 11 <laughs> uh, now you've stayed at that one enough moving on um nice dude yeah i gotta say like you know a lot of what you're saying uh is resonating with me as a writer like a, it's it's really funny how many times you've said something as a core listed something as a core mission statement goal uh, of yours that has been exactly what I also try to do. Oh yeah, um, no, I, I get that uh, from your writing it's, a lot. <laughs> it's, it's really, really cool to hear you say all that stuff because it's like, yeah, man, like even going back a, a while, 10 minutes or so you were talking about like, you know, yeah, you wrote all this stuff, but you know, you don't want to do just because you wrote, it doesn't mean you need to actually do it. That sort of makes me think of like, um, you know, like old Alice Cooper or, you know, b bands that were like really prolific in the seventies that were putting out albums every year. It's like, they, you know, some of those bands, they, every song that they wrote, you think like every song they wrote's on the albums. It's like, Oh yeah, there's an album every year. Alice Cooper put out one album a year for the first like 11 years of their career from like 69 to 81 or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's freaking absolutely insane. And then he almost died and, you know, went to a freaking you know, rehab program to save his life because the guy was like a living skeleton. But he mm -hmm. did that. But the amount of songs they didn't use is like insane. So you assume it's like, oh, yeah, we're just pumping them out and we're writing on tour. It's like, yeah, they may they, they need to pick 10 songs, 11 songs. They might have written 40. Exactly. This, in exactly. this tour. Yep. So you're only hearing the best stuff. And that's really what you have to do. But that it never means, and this is what I, I always tell people, like, you know, if you write something, whatever, whatever it is, movie, book, whatever it is, article, um, you know, and, and it ends up not being that good. Okay, well, like, the, the thing that people need to get over is, like, beating themselves up as, like, oh, I did a bad job. Oh, it's my like, God. No, no, no. Yeah. That is how you learn so like none of that time is wasted even if you made right nothing from the whole time when you were like you went into this prolific period during the pandemic and if you wrote like 42 scripts and you end up making one of them you needed to write those 41 scripts to get that one I couldn't so stress it, that enough. You're absolutely it right. Absolutely is just it, there's no such thing as wasted work when it comes to anything creative a painting song a poem story anything uh it's literally just how you get to carnegie hall right it's just practice and you just have to just keep doing it everything so yeah no I'm, I'm, it was just great to hear you say that you're like just yeah. because i wrote this stuff doesn't mean i have to actually make it into a movie i like it but i don't love it I, I'm you're, totally you're with looking you for that. that like ugh, it's got it's got to really move. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for the magic. I'm, I'm looking yeah. for the thing that's gonna spark me and inspire me and say, yes, I want to endure the next two years of pure hell. It's gonna take me to make this movie. Like, <laughs> I'm I want that. Yeah. Um, and Abigail was it. That was the ticket. Um, 
but no, Steve, just to build on what you're saying, like if there's any writers out there and you don't feel like your stuff's that great, like when people, whatever I allow people to read is the cream of the crop of what I do. A lot of it ain't on that level, you know? And at the other side, I've been writing since I was eight years old. I've been doing scripts and screenplays. I wrote a stage play for my fifth grade recital. Like, wow. like, yeah, like, I mean, I've been doing this a really long time. And like, still, I would say like 50% of what I write is complete shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you pick the best of what you have and then yeah. you run with it, you know? So like, don't, I don't think people should get discouraged if they're like, oh, I wrote this story, but I think it's stupid. It's like, well, maybe it is, but that's okay. Right. You, can, you don't have to show it to anybody. Just be like, look at it as a lesson. Yeah. yeah what did you, what did you think was bad about it? What was so shitty about it? Exactly. Is there anything that you think was successful yeah. to concentrate on those things? And, and, and the other, the other thing that I think people always run into with uh, literally anything creative, just same, like all the things I said, um, song poem movie whatever uh is to try to ne to never finish the thing until it's perfect right that's, that's the other that's so thing important that, not to do yeah you just you drafts, just drafts, it's drafts, never drafts, never drafts. yeah eventually you got to get to the point when you, you gotta, stick you a fork do in it. it and you just move on to the next thing and you make that next thing better yeah. that's that's what you have to do and, and, and it's I mean, so tempting to also like as you realize yourself getting better to mm -hmm. like keep going back over and like and smoothing it out and like even once you get to like later projects especially if you're doing what you're saying where it's like you're you're creating a lot you're writing a lot you're you're doing a lot but it's not seeing the light of day and you're moving on to subsequent works and then you're on work two three or four and you're like fuck i should go back and fix up work one and it's like that want is kind of there because yeah. you feel like i know i can do it better now but the point is it doesn't matter mm -hmm. the path is forward not yep. backwards absolutely don't worry about back there back there got you to here and that's mm -hmm. important but continue yep. going forward you know yeah. and and i think that's actually something i i find sometimes like metal bands will do where they will feel like they have to go back and re-record an old album like to kind of make it current and just do like new performances on it and stuff and i feel like that's such a weird move to make because like that original thing existed at that time written that way you know with you at that skill level mm -hmm. and that's not who you are right now today mm -hmm. that is a time capsule so recreating it for today feels Di feels yeah. disingenuine. It I feels like hate, you're doing. I agree. I fully. Agree I always hate you. that shit. And you know, another example of that same thing is this weird movement with Disney remaking all of their cartoon movies as oh live my action. God. Yeah, dude. I'm oh, like, totally. Dude, dude, I don't. I don't. I don't like so any bad. of them. I They're just so don't. Bad. I just yeah. don't want any of it. I don't. No. The ones I've seen, I've hated. Uh, like, I, I just, I stopped. Like, I didn't see the last bunch. I don't know. Like, I just absolutely. It's, I it's so weird. It's like baffled. It's like, like are we invalidating the originals? Right. Like because you're now that... parents are going to show their kids the the CG, right. you know, genie as as Will Smith instead of Robin Williams. Like that is approaching blasphemy. It's like that's it's crazy. It's you really can't weird. you can't yeah. undo Just that. Just show them the you can you can show them the original. It's available kids everywhere. Can like old stuff. You yeah. Know? I mean, my God. I mean, holy crap. No. You know, I th I, I think. Uh... I think uh, it's so cool. I, I'm, uh, you know, I get this, this, this friend and uh, he's way into old stuff. It's, it's, it's Larry. 
Tim, but I'll just leave it there. I know but his mean. his son. He, he's like a fan of like all the old cowboy serials and all the old shows and stuff like that. His little kid is like 11 years old. His favorite stuff is all his dad's favorite stuff when he was a kid. So like he dresses up as like, you know, in gun smoke and does all the stuff. It's like you never know. Now, I did the same thing with my daughter and she has become a teenager and no longer gives a shit. But you know <laughs> what? Uh, we did have our fun when she did give a shit. And hey, that's that's not going to happen every single time. Maybe also, the kid's going to dislike it from the beginning or keep loving it forever. You just never or know. the or it's it's even even other option than that is that right now in the rebellious teen phase, it's like I like what I like, but then later on, you know, they she'll be like, back to, yeah. I remember Avengers. I loved Avengers. Yeah. I remember Twisted Sister. They were the best. Or like, like, or like you, Bill and Ted or the stuff. Like Maddie all of those me. things are still Maddie was in such her a big lexicon. Fan of the stuff. I hope she. I hope she always loves the stuff. Never um, stop loving the stuff. Never stop loving Larry Cohen movies. Um, amen. Amen. But yeah, good good stuff, man. I yeah. mean, like really, really good stuff. I. I I love all of this. It's it's really always fun to get to talk to like minded creatives and stuff. And uh, fully agree. No, fully I, I I really I really have to say, without you know running the risk of with running the risk of you know blowing smoke too much up your ass, I will say like like the two movies that we saw both times like yes there's room for improvement for sure like you know you're gonna you're gonna keep going you're gonna keep moving forward but both times i absolutely was like there is something special in the story i was surprised i wasn't expecting this there's a few shots in here that are like truly great great shots there's there's certain things in there that it's like okay there's all this stuff i just i can't wait to see what you do in the future and you keep going you keep growing um and I think you're, I think you're going to do great stuff. Like I, I Thank enjoyed you. both Thank of you. the, both of the shorts that I've seen and I think I'm going to enjoy Abigail even more. So, and uh, I do, because he won't do it. I'm just, I'm just going to just offer up uh, if you ever need anybody to make like any sort of eight bit video game music, this is your guy down here, Mr. Mr. Eight bit alchemy. He, oh, cool. So if you need somebody to, like be playing Nintendo, but you don't want to pay like for the, 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 for the, the beeps and the boops, the, the stage two theme from River City Ransom. Yeah. Like, well, you know, you, you get this guy. I'll, he'll I'll do it. I'll do it for free. Just, I, mean, oh, I love friend, free. friends and family <laughs> discount, man. Yeah. I love I love free. And this in the and it for the amount of money it costs us to, to do what we do. Anybody that says they'll do something for free. Everybody's <laughs> like, oh, well, I can't actually do that. I can ask you to do that. If yes. you're down to do it for free. Oh, we're down to take yeah. it. If you need, yeah. If you need to make movies, dude. If you need somebody playing an arcade machine in the background and you don't want to license like the friggin' beeps and boops, I I swear to God, I would have a shitload of fun for like three hours making stupid beeps and boops for you. That's awesome. I mean, I've been I've been working on um my my second album actually just doing like my own you know game game music type stuff. But yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's one of those things. It's like you got to find your audience, right? And I think that's that's actually one of the things I'm thinking about a lot is that with my second album, I'm keeping it like really under wraps. Whereas my first one, I put it, I put like every song out on YouTube as they came out, and then took me forever to finish it. And so I think now it's like once I finish it, then I want to. I've been like thinking about like how can I come up with like a trailer that I could put on YouTube with like snippets of songs and like just do something to try and drum up excitement. Even if it's 10 people who are excited, you know, it's like, that is 
still cooler than shadow dropping something and then making a post on Twitter or Facebook and then it's gone in five seconds yeah, and, and sure. no one ever thinks about it again. So, I mean, what you guys have been talking about, I've been also really thinking about a lot. So, yeah, it's mm. it's definitely cool to be in the same space with you guys like like minded yeah, creatives. Sure. The, ind- yeah, yeah. The, the, the independent anything market is such a tenuous, weird, strange microcosm of people supporting each other and every so once in a while we get a couple more people supporting each other and every so once in a while we get a couple more and a couple more Mm -hmm. it's slow growth but it's steady it's constant Mm -hmm. you know what i mean which makes it better in my opinion i like that there's a a, a tight-knit community of people around here that are all relatively like-minded and what they're trying to accomplish but Mm -hmm. because like like social media is a nightmare for any for anybody that doesn't have the money to pay for it and yep. um for sure getting your stuff out there especially like it's it's so hard to like think of, like 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 you're talking about like do i play this close to the chest what do i do with this dude I, i've been doing that dance now for a while and it's like i've tried just about everything under the sun yeah and the only advice i could have for you is be as transparent as you can without spoiling the fun for people mm. okay you know what i yep. mean that's right. the that's that's the bridge you gotta walk, right? Yeah, like like I don't care talking about I don't, I don't care about talking about spoilers about the box or one last kill. They've been out in the they've been out and about in the world for a long time now, and even in the way that we're talking about it, like I still don't think people would really get. Yeah, if I was that. listening to this podcast, I would still be like, I want to see what they're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, like I, I, I don't think anybody's getting it ruined for them in the way that mm. we're talking about. Yeah. It. Yeah, for sure. There's uh that's why I try to be a little bit more nebulous and talk about the thing that happened at the end a little or whatever, more coy without actually, or yes. Yeah, without and, actually without yeah. actually describing yeah, it. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, no, uh definitely, definitely good stuff, man. I mean, really, really good stuff. So please let us know when the Kickstarter for Abigail's up. We'll definitely post about it, or you can feel awesome. free to post about it in the retro redactibus Facebook group. Uh, even though social media is a barren hellscape of misery and woes. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can feel free to do that and maybe, uh, maybe it'll help a little bit. Um, sure. but, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it came from the 508 man, like, uh, rock on. Um, do you want to talk a little Stephen King before you get out of here? Oh, hell yeah. Kinda... I always want right. to talk Stephen King. Always. Okay. So you love Stephen King. So, all right. So let's, let's, so, so, so eight bit isn't a huge book person per se okay right, right. So, so like not- i i like the stephen king stuff that i've seen but i'm not going to sit here and tell you i've read any of his books but okay. i mean fair. i i appreciate all of the different stephen king media i've seen you know for for better or for worse uh, i mean i i think that he is a great storyteller and, and creates you know some really tense situations and you know i mean he's also just prolific he's he's a great example of a writer who kept on writing and i mean obviously as people who know his start like he almost gave up like he almost didn't make it he almost wasn't here you know in our faces at all um and so you know it's like that was very much an an example of perseverance and also a community raising yourself up like you said like where you have enough people to lean on right and then just continuing to 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 do his craft and then made it you know and sometimes that that's that's a hard horizon to see you know it's like why bother keep doing this? It's not mm-hmm. getting me anywhere. Right. But what you said earlier was when it's something you're actually passionate about, 
that you actually feel like very connected to and want to do, then you're making it anyway. You're making it for you. You're making it because you believe in it. You're making it because you love it. And then that is, you know, that is kind of like the driver for why to keep doing it. You're not waiting for when is it going to be the most successful thing ever? You're just already not failed. Right. You've already not failed because you're making this. Yeah. You're not waiting for it to, to succeed because it's already is you've already succeeded totally yes. and, and like that's yeah that's that's why like i i write music that i write it's like do i write it because i want people to hear it yes but i also write it because i want to do it you know and that's right, why you, right. you, you you write stories and make movies if you're if you're right if you're working independently before before we get into Stephen king i just, mm-hmm. I'll just say this if you're working independently in any kind of art form and you're waiting for either a payday or the instant success or anything like that, you're going to be waiting a really, really long time. Um, it doesn't, it just does not work that way. You know, you, you, you have to do the legwork. You have to get your, you have to get stuff out there. Um, nobody in this world is just going to hand it to you because you say you're good at something. You, you've got to prove it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people in our independent community here in New England have proved it and they're, they're ready to do some bigger, cooler things. And mm-hmm. like, like we are at the moment trying to do at the moment. Hell yeah. Wow. Hell yeah, man. Uh, most of them, most of them go to the, all the same cons that we go to. So yes, we just, precisely. We just, we just hang out with them and sometimes have a breakfast sandwich with them. Exactly. And sometimes make a egg. With them. Exactly. Exactly. exactly so okay so stephen king so like let's say all right for a while his movies were kind of like really loved in the 80s they had their day then they i remember a period where they sort of were like not respected at all the miniseries and era the miniseries era was tough uh <laughs> tommy knockers we had the remake of the Stand. No, the, we had the, the, stand. the remake. The stand was. I really like the stand. The, stand. the original. Stand. The original with Gary Sneeze. Yeah, I'm a big um, fan of that. It, it, I like. I watched it and liked it at the time. I don't know if I'm. I'm a big fan, but I haven't seen it in years. The uh, that was not the walking dude in my in my opinion. But hey, you know whatever. Um. So uh, and then what was the uh oh, the remake of The Shining was was, see. So okay, let me let me ask you this. This this is a great. I love asking this of King fans. I feel like I already know what's coming. But so right. b- book or movie or both? Book or movie or both? Okay, this has actually been an evolving concept for me. Mm-hmm. Um, until Mike Flanagan released Doctor Sleep, I hated Kubrick Shining. I hated it, like with a fiery, unholy passion. I hated that movie. It has Dude, no it's like we're the, it's like we have the same brain. Why yeah, do we have right? the same brain? It's weird. It has no soul. All right, so tell me zero okay. soul. <laughs> Ex- expand expand upon that. Why why does it have no soul? Why do you not like it? The entire point of The Shining mm-hmm. as a piece that Stephen King wrote was him finding self-forgiveness and redemption for his own alcoholism, which is exactly what Jack Torrance is doing in his selfless act at the end when he blows up the freaking hotel. Yep. Not at any point did Kubrick even attempt to touch on that 
Jack just goes completely apeshit. Shelly Duvall and the kid run away on the snowcat. He freezes to death. It has no soul. I truly think Stanley Kubrick is a robot. Um, He has no (laughs) idea what human emotion works. We're like Stanley Rubrick. Yeah, no. I, I, but, however, Mm -hmm. Flanagan, when he made the sequel, when he made Dr. Sleep a sequel, to the shining to the shining movie right to the shining movie and he fixed that problem hmm. with his ending which mm-hmm. was not the same ending as dr no. sleep but was the same ending as the first shining movie i right. was like wait a minute hold up and yeah. then i watched them back to back and i was like it worked oh, dear god i actually like this movie now <laughs> shit i do think that that was the point right like i think he was trying to appease both camps and he it was- had to be it had yeah. to be because yeah and and i agree like it made me like the original movie more um but it is funny how i feel like that's got to be stephen king's like most beloved movie ever i think and stephen king wants to wanted to punch stanley kubrick in the face like <laughs> it's amazing right which sucks but, that that became so popular for him right you know it, you're like great did, like, you guys like the one that sucks oh my God. people worship that movie people worship the you know they wear the the pattern of the the hotel is on their shirt it's on their walls it's everywhere like it's they have coasters you can get a coaster of the orange circle thing pattern like I it's so weird to me how how unbelievably hollow that movie is compared to the book because that is my favorite Stephen King book. It's right up and, there. It's top and, five for me too. It's really it's it's tough for me. I don't want to just turn this into a bitch about the shining session because I know. No, I do have one more. I did I know I, I do I have one more thing I want to say about the whole yes. thing. Filmmakers have a tendency to talk like they're more important than they are and film fans film buffs have a tendency to be a little pompous and when you attach the name stanley kubrick to things yeah they love to love stanley kubrick yes the even though comes out even though Ooh. i would consider stanley kubrick to be a mediocre filmmaker at best because he misses an entire point of most of the stories is that he Mm -hmm. has to actually tell a story and the human beings in his story have to act like human beings which is right stuff happens in your movies stanley i get it stuff happens (laughs) but there's more to it than just stuff happening right it's more to being having a perfectly symmetrical shot which if you notice in stanley kubrick stuff it's all symmetry I was gonna it's say flat, it's flat lines and perfect symmetry in the whole frame. What it's people no, worship weird. about Kubrick is is his his shots, and and it's it's like it has become transposed onto his movies are great, his movies are incredible, you know. And it's like, well, there's there's two different things at play here. There's being able to tell a good story and making a compelling movie, and then there's also the artistry of cinematography, mm-hmm. and those are two separate things that just coincide in a film so it's like does he have some really memorable shots yes he does yeah do you know do his movies have a look and a feel and a style and and everything like that is like striking i'll say it's Mm -hmm. it's striking because you know it's six in your mind 100 percent. but you know are his movies incredible movies that's there's a lot of factors there no not necessarily i feel i feel like it's a it's a it's a art it's something like viewer interpretation required because right. some 
I feel like he's right, very like some like, assembly required, right? It's like yeah. I'm not giving you everything you need, and you might like this or you might not, but I don't really care. Right. Well, that that sort of sounds like David Lynch, too. But like, you know, there are these like, you know, very visual directors like Cronenberg and Wes Anderson and even Tim Burton. And, you know, lot, lots of directors have like a very recognizable visual language that they use. To their, oh, yeah. Their films. Sure. And not everybody does, though, like plenty of great directors don't necessarily. Um, I, I, I mean, Maybe maybe you can prove me wrong. I can't really tell a Spielberg movie just by looking at a few no, frames of it. Or no, I or completely like, agree with you. Spielberg, but is like this really weird anomaly in filmmaking, where a lot of his films—I won't say all of his films—but a lot of his films are like the highest of caliber of film you can get. But the actual cinematography of it is as straight ahead as it gets. Yeah, it's, it's like workman. It's like there's no there's no specific attention spent on the artistry of the, yeah. the cinematography specifically where somebody agree. like like wes anderson is exactly what you were saying with uh with uh kubrick i mean like his shots are straight on always specifically straight on like he never shows angles it's it's like so completely his language and it's, it's interesting you're like oh i'm in a wes anderson movie but um but yeah you're right 8-bit like you, you know there are two sides to that you know, we should be grading them on both. But that being said, plenty of people love uh, The Shining for what it is, and that's fine. But, you know, so so it's interesting. So you're a big King fan. So did you were you a fan of the Dr. Sleep uh, novel? Oh, yes. I love Dr. Sleep. I, I did, too, man. Like, I, I I'm a big proponent of don't make a freaking sequel to an old thing like just don't do it. it, it it's a different you. It's a different time period just it can't be done i was i was really nervous because as i said i love the original and mm -hmm. uh you know i i loved dr sleep i thought ah. it was so good i i appreciated it how how much it didn't retread the original it links to it in a really great way at the end but like mm -hmm. it is a totally different idea and like See that's what I love. You know, you know one of my favorite movie sequels of all time is, and I will, I will die on this hill. I think it's one of the greatest sequels of all time. Well, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I completely agree with you. It's a great movie. Bill and Ted's Bogus <laughs> Journey. That movie could easily have just mm. been them going to college, and they had to do a different project and get a different bunch of people or whatever. And yeah. I mean, that that movie is out of nowhere like oh, yeah. they're in hell they're playing like games with death so they can come back to life and save their girlfriends and like i mean it is apps they go to heaven there's a martian there's like i mean it's right. a they didn't have there. to go that hard but they did right <laughs> They, they went all the way hard and they realized they that what what made a sequel to bill and ted special was bill and ted Yes, yeah. it didn't matter that it was the same movie as the first one. It, that, yes, the plot wasn't the lifeblood of the first movie. The right. plot, the lifeblood was Bill and Ted. So Bill they they realized we could just put Bill and Ted in another scenario, anything, yeah. and it'll work. Like yeah. this is what we built, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I think that uh, Doctor Sleep is kind of like that. It hits like that's what I want in a sequel. Is it, it's just so incredibly different. Um, so I I also liked the movie uh and i appreciated that it, it kind of made things okay with the original movie too um so what are some other what's so that's in your top five so round out the the remaining four in the top five for, okay for king um i'm i'm old school 
I'm I'm an old school Ken guy. I, Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot's number one. Nice. It was the first book I ever read. First adult oh, wow. book. First wow. adult book I ever read. I was nine years old. It scared the living shit out of me. I never yeah. went. I didn't go near a window for like a year. Sure. Um, number two would definitely be The Shining. Three would either be Pet Cemetery or It, like vice versa. They're three sure. and four. And then five would more than likely be Carrie, but I could that could probably interchange. Maybe Cycle of the Werewolf because I really love Cycle of the Werewolf. Um, that's that's like my my top five six there. I would say nice. Um, one of the one of the only ones that's like a a more modern era. Not that it's it's still kind of old now. I think it's probably ten or fifteen years old at this point. But like I randomly love so much and is probably in my top five is uh Duma Key. Oh, it was great. I love Duma Key so much. Like and and for some reason it like there's this thing I have this thing with Stephen King. Or I don't always love him. And like, sometimes I feel like, okay, I, I wish the editor pushed back a little bit. This could have 300 fewer pages and be a stronger book, but that's Stephen King for you. He is a fire hose of ideas. And at this stage in his career, people just let him do whatever he wants to do. But I think yeah. you do kind of need that. You need that. Uh, somebody. No, to you, need, you. you need that. You this need is, that. You got to be real. You got to have, that, in you gotta have that reality check every yep. once in a while. But yep. a lot of times, like with uh, like Insomnia is a good example. Uh, Needful Things is another example where I feel like the books are good, but like, man, they are way too long and it takes too long for them to get going, especially Insomnia. Oh, my God. There's like 100 pages where it's just literally dealing with Insomnia before they even get to what the plot of the book is. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. And uh, it's just the way or where that book goes is so bonkers. You know, it's just absolutely insane. Duma Key is kind of like that. But for some reason, I love it. Like, I'm never I'm never bored with all the the boring, quote unquote, stuff at the beginning of Duma Key, where he's just kind of dealing with his new life on the beach. And we're just it's just him and his buddy there that, that he just met. I can't remember his name. He had a funny name. <laughs> his friend the, the guy that he meets but um yeah. <clears throat> yeah i i and when the shit gets going it's so much later and usually usually uh, my instinct is to go it's too late in the book to introduce magic shit you can't introduce magic shit 75 percent through it I, <laughs> I won't accept it you got to introduce magic shit if you're gonna do it it's got to be a earlier than 75 first 30 percent first 30 percent first 30 percent that's your cutoff that's then, the, if you, then if you have magic <laughs> shit after that it's too weird but uh for some reason it, it just works i really i really dig that one no i i i enjoyed it um i think another one that would probably a newer book that would etch into like a top five ten mm -hmm. of my kings would be the outsider i was a big fan of the outsider i didn't read that one oh uh, i highly recommend it it's yeah. probably his scariest book in Whoa. the modern times if you will Whoa. um king's for a while now, he's been on like a horror light slash sci-fi fantasy, not quite horror, but almost horror kick. It hasn't really gone as hard as like the old stuff, like Pet Cemetery oh, yeah. and all that. Yeah, goes. and I mean that like the Mr. Mercedes trilogy was just mostly crime until he got weirdly magical at the end. It's like yeah. in the third book. It's like, but I thought I thought shit? that I thought that was kind of brilliant. That in the <laughs> at, at the end of this whole trilogy, where you think this guy is just a normal dude then all of a sudden uh, like ah magic shit magic shit <laughs> not delicious yeah i thought but, that was pretty i was like okay okay you got me you can still uh, get me mr king good job 
But no, I the love- Outsider. Mm. Mm, yeah, very good stuff. Very good skew. Very <clears throat> scary to, book. I'll yes. have to check it out. I will say that uh, I I will say the number one book. I don't really get scared at stuff. I don't know. I I can't. Th- there's no movie that can scare me. I can like get unnerved by like torture or something that yeah. I don't want to look at. But there's nothing that scares me. Books don't scare me. Nothing scares me. I don't know. Uh, my wife is the same way. We're literally stone cold motherfuckers, both of us. Like we're just complete stone cold motherfuckers. I'm pretty okay. much that way these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you, the yeah. one Stephen King book that absolutely had me crawling, my skin was just crawling. But it was the it was gross. It wasn't it wasn't scary. It was just oh my god. Was the dark half? Oh I yeah. Think that never gets mentioned up there. But like. Oh my God! There is some really disgusting stuff when he, at the end with all the like sparrow bodies on the ground. He's like, yeah. he has to walk over the dead sparrows, and he's like describing the crunching sounds. Like, oh my God! There was like, oh man! There was like some serious ig in that book for me. But I I love the dark half. Yeah, I, no, I don't I, like. I think it's a fantastic book. I don't like good. the movie. I think. See, this is this is an example where. That movie drives me crazy because I think it's a great story. And I think that it was the wrong decision to show us that he was played by the same actor, especially since there's the easiest possible solution to get rid of that. The book already said that George Stark didn't look like the main character. It's not the main character having a split personality. It's a magical, just entity projection yeah. of what would have been his brother because yeah. he has a, an aborted like parasitic twin that was buried that he never knew about and he, somehow there's a piece of it in his brain and he's psychically projecting himself as a body and he looks george stark looks nothing like <coughs> it's funny i remember george stark i can't remember the main guy's name tim yeah timothy Ma- tim matheson's character yeah it was tim matheson well, yeah, that's I all i remember his- that's I all I remember. His name, it was Tim Matheson. It was that guy. But, uh, that but that was a funny. great book. Was yeah, a great no, book. it was a great book. But it's funny because I was watching a more recent film that that film by James Wan, Malignant. I love. Oh, that I, love I loved. Awesome. I loved Malignant. But loved somebody, it. I was watching it with a couple of people. Like my girlfriend was over, and you know, a few other folks and somebody was like oh this is so original it's so different it's so new i looked him dead in the face i was like this is a dark half what are you talking about <laughs> yeah that's fair i was it like is, it's basically the dark half but yeah, grosser like grosser. <laughs> yeah that's 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 very true too yeah but, i have to no, check that, out the dark half yeah the dark half is fun also has one of my all-time favorite king characters which is alan pangborn is in that hell uh, yes he's he's one of my favorites he, he's also in uh needful things as well mm-hmm. and uh i don't know some others i think those king. are his main two appearances well you know how king is he weaves them all in he laces Castle it all together stuff, yeah, yeah he, he does he did he was doing the mo- he was doing the shared universe before marvel ever got hip to it well yeah and then he really really brought it home with the dark tower like big yeah. time in a way that no one so actually we have if you're interested we do have an, uh, an episode of the podcast we recorded last year that's all about the dark towers me and uh, a very old friend who's a big stephen king fan awesome we uh we went through the whole series book by book because i had been reading them uh more like and basically in the last 10 years i went through the series slowly um and i uh i had just gone through the last two books i'm like i, I gotta finish this it's been long enough 
And so I had just finished the seventh book, The Dark yeah. Tower. And so we, it was, it was neat because like he's going from memory and it's been a little bit of, bit of time for him. And then I, cause he and was you're fresh, you're fresh. You just read them. Yeah. Right. But he remembered so much and it was, it was a really fun episode, yeah. but we did that uh, on the, the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower is an interesting group of books because it is, it it, is. it's often, oftentimes it's, I feel like it's a little too drawn out for its own good. For sure. I um, think that what wow, I said about yeah. why I, the, the things I take umbrage on with his writing are very present in the dark tower. Also, the books are very, there's, they're, they're so different from each other. And I think that is something that people do like about them, but they don't, they don't really feel like the same series until like the last two, I guess, but no, I um, agree. They're very, agree. very different, but um, I, I always yeah, suggest, I people, like it. Yeah. But I always suggest to people that want to get into the doll. Oh, they're like, Oh, I want to read the dark tower. I want to read the I'm like, look, let me, I was like, are you a reader? Like, do you like hit the books hard? Do you like read a thousand page book in a week and say, I need more. And they're like, no, I'm not that. I'm a light reader. I was like, don't read the dark. Tower. Don't read the dark. Tower. I was like, don't, don't do it. Go, go on Amazon or your local comic book store. Go get the Marvel graphic novel editions of the dark tower series. Read those because you're going to get the story mm -hmm. without a lot of the insufferable juxtaposition that comes with it that takes 90 fucking pages at a time. Like, just, just trust me on this. Don't do what I did because <laughs> I, I like it quick and dirty. Like, I can hit, I can hammer 300 pages in a night, but I have to be engaged in it. Yeah. Like, so the Dark Tower was like, that took me a long time to read those books. Yeah. Yeah. And a really what I long time. What I didn't want, the reason why it took me so long is because I was specifically only reading them when I really got the urge to read the next one. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to force myself. I'm like, this, there's too many books in the series. There's seven books, but there's also, and, I, and I'm not a voracious, voracious reader, like you said. Um, so I like to take my time and stuff anyway, but it's like, okay. And some of the books are like a thousand pages. So exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to end up like zoning out. I know, I know me, I, I, I'm not, I'm not that good of a reader. I'm, I'm going to end up like just not remembering what I just read. So it was literally like, you know, one of every couple of years I would, I would read and eventually I finished. And I really think that's, I, I think if you're going to take on the book series as a whole, like you need to like commit like 10 years to it, in my opinion. Cause I mean, it's it like, took it took him so long to write that it took like what almost thirty years or something or twenty all total all total was like twenty five years yeah yeah Damn. it's like insane because because he he went like nine years I think book between book one and two mm -hmm. and then another seven or eight between two and three and then a bunch well I mean after after then the he started to yeah. write them all at once after the yeah. accident but after the gunslinger he wasn't even sure he wanted to really right. do it he was just like this is do I want to do this? This is a really right. daunting project. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I mean, that get gets worked into the, the actual narrative of the story. Yeah. I think yeah. Which I, which was the most brilliant. I will give him this of all of his endings. The ending of the dark tower is the most brilliant. You think so? By a I, long, by a long shot. I, I don't, I don't really like it, but I, I don't know. He is he, everybody. It's like it's the one concession Stephen King fans always seem to make is that he's not super good with endings. Um, 
I think I think his best ending is The Shining. I really, I really, really like that freaking book. To be I really, specific, I I consider it his most brilliant ending, mm-hmm. as in okay. ingenious, inventive, okay, thought provoking ending. Mm. Is it his best ending? Hmm, I don't know about that because endings to me require a level of satisfaction, right? <laughs> there's none of that and he even there's stopped. no he there's zero he satisfaction just, at the like, end of okay the he stopped so so for you you know you don't know 8-bit and for those of you who haven't read yeah, the yeah. part at the end of the final book and he's like okay this is where i want to end it and it's right when we finally get to the to the dark tower and the main character has been you know questing for this thing for like seven books and like you know how many thousands of pages and like he he wanted to end it with him walking into the dark tower and the door closing and that's it and he's like i know that everybody will revolt if they don't get to see what's in the tower so take my word for it this is the place to end the series this is what the ending should be but okay. for all of those of you who are going to lynch me i will write the next chapter I don't want to write the next chapter. It's not going to be good, but here you go. I suggest you don't read it. <laughs> That's what, That's like, what was the brilliance of it, though. He literally <laughs> was just like, disclaimer. <laughs> Here's the deal. I didn't want to do this, but I knew you'd be mad. So fuck you. Right. Here you go. Basically, so, right. which is which is to me is like the most That's great. brilliant so down piece of it. That's so you meta. have no like, idea I, how I'm meta an, it actually I'm is. Yeah, anticipating it, my own audience. It is the most meta thing that ever existed. Which sure. is why I thought it was brilliant, but as far as satisfying endings, no, Shining's definitely up there as satisfying mm. endings. As I walked away from the book, I won't say feeling great, but I felt like that's how it had to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, thing, things are always like weird in the last bit. Like the end of the dark, ta- the end of the uh, dark half is weird, and the end of Insomnia is bonkers, and 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 it even with the space oh no, it's the most cr- it's, it's like, the most crazy ending he's got. Like the last like turtle and the kid orgy, and like what the hell happened in this last bit? The the last like I don't know. It's a big ass book. I don't know. Maybe the last 250 pages are just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like when it's I heard that, oh, no, but you when really, I heard really it, taste the cocaine in those, in those pages when back then it was definitely cocaine. But yeah. like when I heard that when they were doing the it remakes and yeah. I heard that they were actually going to include the ritual of chewed, I was like, how? Yeah, and that's that unfilmable. I don't understand how you're going to try and do that. And but they, they did, did something else and called it the ritual. Yeah, p- precisely. They they made something that was actually filmable and called <clears> it the ritual. So so eight bit. Uh, so just to get you back into this conversation before we uh, wrap things up because we're about at time here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what uh, what are some uh, are there some King movies that you saw that you really liked that you could like shout out and get James' opinion or? Um, I mean. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the different Stephen King ones that I've seen. So, I mean, I've obviously seen The Shining. I, I only recently got to see it, and that was spurred by, you know, the, the initial It chapter one, like, that came out a few years ago. I went mm-hmm. back in and watched the original, and, um, you know, I personally really liked the the original It, like, more so than the new one. I thought the new one was good, but I thought the new one was, like, kind of going a little too hard. Or like it was like 
Pennywise can't be this scary, guys. Kids need to want to go see him to get fucking it caught. Did miss, it did entirely miss that point. Like Pennywise say, is supposed to be, yes, you know, I think, charming. Okay, James and- is going to jump out of his own skin, but I will say the Georgie scene at the beginning, I think, is far more effective in the in the Tim Curry. It, it's really effective because it is. he's yeah. he's acting like a friendly clown. Yeah. Now, we know he's sinister, but he's he's like, hey, how you doing, Georgie? I'm your yeah. buddy. Why don't you come down in the sewer? Get your boat. Oh, your dad says not to talk to strangers. That's a very wise thing to do. Oh, very smart man, your dad. Hey, come over here. We'll be friends. I mean, compare that to the horrifying, like. Like Patsy always says, the the evil Winnie the Pooh voice of Bill Skarsgård. I mean, like nobody would, no kid would go near that guy. No, right. no, right. absolutely not. I agree with you guys a hundred percent that they really kind of lost, dropped the ball on like what Pennywise should have been mm. versus what Pennywise was in the remake. However, with the um, with the Tim Curry version. I really feel like the Tim Curry miniseries is the Tim Curry show. Mm-hmm. It's 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 all about his performance as Pennywise that makes it makes it so good. 100. Everything yeah. everything around him is kind of lackluster. Mm-hmm. Not great. Not good. The first uh, it, it seems to be like the plague of it as a story, but the first half works way better than the second half. But that's even true of the book, so I can't really hold that against them. Um, yeah, the kids are just better than the. It's adults. a scarier story, it's right? Hundred percent. When they first that, encounter, it, it's a scarier yeah. story. The ante is down from the second half. Like the ante was way up when we were just mm-hmm. kids. Exactly. The other thing too is that he adds all this baggage of their life in between that like keeps interfering, but doesn't ever really need to be there. Like Beverly's abusive husband. It's like, uh. Okay, you could have just left him behind and not used him again. It would have been fine. I get what he I get what he was going for in that, like abuses in your childhood lead to traumas in your adulthood. And oh, yeah. Repeating, repeating the patterns same. and all yeah, that. Repeating the I, cycle. Get, I get what he was trying to say, right. but like, I don't feel like he needed to say it. Right. Like, well, what I'm saying is like, you could have said it and just left him when she left him. He didn't have to go chase her. Yeah. Like we didn't, we didn't need any of that. That didn't just didn't mean anything. It didn't do anything. Um, but I uh, agree fully. But yeah, the, the 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 first movie of the new ones, I despite the, the problems I had, uh, I did like that version of Pennywise. He was cool. He wasn't scary to me. He was just over the top. Uh, but I mean, he was cool. There was some decent effects. Um, I actually, you know what I really liked? I really liked. Um, the i think it's stan has the uh the scary portrait lady who's like clearly just mama from the movie mama yes yes Uh, that that um the same director obviously i can't remember the guy's name what's it andy andy muschetti muschetti um i think she was the scariest form of it in that movie and she wasn't even in the book what was he afraid of he was afraid of something the mummy the mummy, right? He was afraid of the mummy. 
Yeah. Right. And Richie was werewolves, but they changed to clowns. But there's like a scene when Pennywise is turning into the clown or something and he's got a werewolf hand. It's like, okay, I hate that sort of shit. They're like, we threw that in there as a wink. It's like you didn't actually need to change it, though. Right. Like you could have just done. There was a version. I was the leper was good. The The leper leper was on the money. That, That I will say was on the money. But there was a version since they had updated the timeline. To mm-hmm. 1989 instead of 1961 or whatever it was. It was 50s. Somewhere was it 50, 50, 58, 59? It was, some, it was somewhere in there. It was late 50s that they were going for. Whenever uh, the Michael Landon I Was a Teenage Werewolf came out. It was yeah, that year. I Was a Teenage Werewolf. So he King based it on you know his classic monsters. So he had like the black creature from the Black Lagoon was in there. The mummy. 57. It was 57. All right, perfect. There we go. I was close. You were close. Close-ish. But like he based it all on the classic Universal monsters because right, that's yeah. what they were afraid of. And also it, my favorite, Rodan. Rodan is in there. Mike's yeah, afraid of Rodan. Rodan. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were actually toying with the idea since they were New Line and they had access to specific characters that New Line have in their roster they were toying with the idea of having pennywise turn into like freddy krueger and jason Voorhees. ah uh, that's which, really interesting which would have fit the timeline however i think it was actually smart to not do that because mm-hmm. that takes it away from being pennywise you're bringing in other icons in there mm-hmm. and i don't think you should really double dip your chip like that that's that's interesting i love that i love that concept but i'm also glad they didn't do it i like the i like the thought and I think it's very interesting thought, but no, I, I wouldn't want that unless it was like, you know, like the way um, Cabin in the Woods did like very thinly veiled, ver- like instead of Pinhead, we got like the Buzzsaw guy. Like, like we got the great value version of the Cenobites. The Wish, and, the wish yeah. version. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like maybe that would have been okay, I guess. Yeah. You're like, oh, I get it. It's like, you know, kind of like that's the Freddy. It's Day. like Freddy Krueger, but not. Yeah. Or like even if he just like, popped a hand up and it had the glove on or something mm-hmm. like that. Like oh, a little yeah. yeah. Like instead of the werewolf claw, if it had turned into Freddy Krueger's Krueger. Oh yeah, that seems yeah, that would have cool. I would have liked that. I would have liked that. That would have been cool. They even had a little nod to that with having Nightmare on Elm Street 5 on the uh theater yes. billboard when they when they were going by it on the bikes and stuff. And um yeah. I thought that was neat. Definitely but cool. I think ultimately it was probably the smart call. I think you're right. Focused. I think you're right. In 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 an era when we're all trying to make horror icons, like keep it focused on your icon. Because because Pennywise is a horror icon, he doesn't need to to bow. But you're right. In the original, it was that was the point. King's like, I get to have a monster who's every monster I was ever afraid of as a kid, and so for him, that was all the Universal monsters and stuff. So they're all in there. Um, and I'm sure he was giddy like a schoolboy coming up with that stuff, like having having the creature from the Black Lagoon come up out of the canal and just rip that kid's head off. Like, oh yeah, no, see, that's intense shit. <laughs> that the giddiness was also the cocaine. The yeah, well, yeah, there was there was a lot of that too. <laughs> it was also the cocaine. So I think uh, I think we've done it, James. Man, it's been really fun hanging out with you. Uh, before yeah. we uh, before we go down there, now see, I'm unlike you. I'm going to be careful of that second to last step, and I'm That's not smart. going to step over it. Which what I, I recommend you doing coming up. Highly and I recommend first aid. I got some uh, some stuff. Uh, you know, backs of tracing. You can uh, put on that. I That'd don't be know. smart. Ho- I like. Hopefully, that. it's not septic right now. I, it might That'd already... be good. No, I think I can still feel it. So that's good. 
I mean, we do pee on those spikes. Did I mention that? Did I know? Oh, yeah, they're oh, pee spikes. Oh, yeah, they're pee spikes. Yeah. Oh, um, it's a. Pee, it's actually called a pee trap. It's a. It's a. It's a plumbing <laughs> joke. <laughs> that's, um, that's that's fantastic. So, uh, why don't you let our our retroids know where they can find you and your fine works before? Oh we get man, uh, yeah, that's a big list of things. Uh, let's see. <laughs> You can uh, get find us first and foremost at itcamefromthe508.com. And on itcamefromthe508.com, you can find all kinds of cool stuff. You can find Blu-rays and posters and T-shirts through our Public site. You can find our films digitally on video on demand uh, through our It Came From The 508 direct service, uh, rental or purchase. Um we also have our Facebook page. It came from the 508 Productions. It's real simple. The punch, in, punch into the search. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to get personally get in touch with me, not that I would see why, but if you want to personally get in touch <laughs> I with me. I thought you were going to say not that I would talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, self-defamation is, is my thing. Um, but I'm on Facebook as james lamond real simple um instagram i'm james lamond sucks uh is that spelled with the x i feel like you said it like it was spelled with an x no no it's okay. it's just s-u-c oh, that, that's funny i heard the x too i heard it, it sounded like i wish thing. i wish i had thought of that and sucks <laughs> i might change it now because you know i can edit that <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically the gist of how you can get in touch with us. Um, and if you have any inquiries about, if you want to like get in touch with us about working with us on Abigail or, you know, whatever we've got coming up in the thing, there's going to be some surprises between then and now. Um, you can always email us at it came from the 508 at gmail.com. Awesome. Nice dude. Sounds good, man. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the Kickstarter and uh, I can't wait to see what you guys come up with for this. Uh, not a sequel, not a prequel. Don't call it a, a reboot. Don't call it a comeback. I feel like comeback. Rob Zombie when he talks about Devil's Rejects when that was coming out, but yeah, don't call it a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, man. Thank you once again for uh, putting up with us for the last couple hours. It's been really, really fun. Absolutely, and, man. Uh, I loved it. Thank solid conversation. Nice and, you know, it was a it was a great return to the brig for us. And I have to also mention, 8-Bit, this is the start of the spooky season. Officially, James Lamond has brought us in, has ushered us into the spooky season for the year, for 2022. We yes, haven't he has. Episodes, but uh, this, I, one, this one counts. I do we, what I can. We are, we are riding in on a, a, a pale white horse of yes. majesty right now because uh yeah, yeah. it's gonna kick off the season we have a lot of fun stuff that we love to do in the spooky season and yeah, this is a hell of a way to start it off thanks a lot man for being on the show honestly yeah. guys thanks for having me this is this has been a ball i loved it awesome. it was a lot nice, of fun dude that's great man awesome well uh we'll definitely see you around in the con scene and wish you the best uh, retroids uh thank you so much for sticking with us uh you know we always we always love it when you stick around to the end and um all I, all I got to say now is, you know, it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures have ended here. Good night, everybody. Good night.